Uh, if you've got a Bible, bring one, bring one with you. If you're at home, I hope you've got one that you can uh, have a look at now. Uh, we're going back into Haggai for these next two weeks. Uh, and this morning, chapter 2, uh, verses 10 to 19. I'm going to read those verses for us, and then we'll look at, look at God's Word together. Let me read. On the 24th day of the ninth month in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Haggai. This is, the word, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Ask the priests what the law says. If someone carries consecrated meat in the fold of their garment and that fold touches some bread or stew, some wine, olive oil, or other food, does it become consecrated? And the priests answered, no. Then Haggai said, if a person defiled by contact with a dead body touches one of these things, does it become defiled? Yes, the priest replied, it becomes defiled. Then Haggai said, so it is with this people and this nation in my sight, declares the Lord. Whatever they do and whatever they offer there is defiled. Now give careful thought to this from this day on. Consider how things were before one stone was laid on another in the Lord's temple. When anyone came to a heap of 20 measures, there were only 10. When anyone went to a wine vat to draw 50 measures, there were only 20. I struck all the work of your hands with blight, mildew, and hail. Yet you did not return to me, declares the Lord. From this day on, from this 24th day of the ninth month, give careful thought to the day when the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid. Give careful thought, is there, en- is there yet any seed left in the barn? Until now, the vine and the fig tree, the pomegranate and the olive tree have not borne fruit. From this day on, I will bless you. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you speak to us. And we ask that by your Spirit, you would cause us to turn to and trust the Lord Jesus. Amen. Uh, Well, everyone, I think everyone is trying to build uh, the good life in in some way. Call it what you want, fulfilled, flourished, successful, blessed. And there's different ways to go about it, isn't there? For some, it's it's very much the the picture-perfect family. That's what they're after. For others, it might be academic achievement. Think about those in their teens coming up to exams at some point, feeling the pressure of all of that. Well, it's the path to the good life, right? You've got to go for those things. Or maybe it's friends liking posts on social media, whichever platform you you use, assuring you that your comments were uh, totally legit, that you really woke, what you've said is all right. But it is a fragile thing, uh, building the good life. You can be... You can be heading into that, you can be building it, and suddenly you hit a bit of DIY SOS. Uh, Matt Simpson uh, was picked up on the uh, BBC website during the week. He, he was uh, a trainer at a, a pure gym, uh, and then he posted an ill-judged tweet the other week uh, that made a, a poor reference to slavery. Twitter went mad. He apologized, but Matt, who is himself black, was... I guess he, he found himself being found guilty in the court of social media. He even had people saying, we're going to take his black card off him. You understand what they're saying? You, you don't even deserve to be able to call yourself black anymore. It is absolutely brutal. Matt says, he's quoted on the website, it, it was my mistake. 
and it was a big one. But I've apologized, and I don't know what else to do. It's awful, isn't it? To be judged by the world, and then to feel there's, there's no hope of forgiveness. Imagine, imagine for a moment facing that. How are you building? How are you building the good life? Those of you, those of you who are in your teens, does it feel fragile? Uh, trying to build the good life? Uh, you worry about, maybe you worry about ending up on the wrong side. If you do something just a little bit wrong. Those of you who are older, are you building well? Well, back in Haggai, if you remember it from a couple of weeks back looking at it, we're thinking about God's grand design, his building project. And it's a bit strange because Haggai said to the people of his day, look, if you, if you want to really be building the good life, you need to get back to building the temple and then to build your life around the temple. This is, this is Haggai's third message from God to the people, and it comes with a promise. It's there in verse 19, right at the end of our reading. God says, from this day on, I will bless you. You're going to be heading into the good life. If you've been around from some of the other weeks we've looked at Haggai, you, you'll know what's been uh, going on for these people. Life's been really hard. Uh, there's the, the harvest was poor. They faced economic difficulties. There's been all sorts of disappointment. We can relate to that. Many people can relate to that in our situation today. For those people, margins are tight. Life, is, life if you like, feels right on the edge. There's a sense of that in verse 19 where where Haggai has this, this message. He says, is there yet any seed left in the barn? And you get what's being said there. You, it's all out in the field now, isn't it? There's no reserves. It's all out there. This is it. The last of it has been put into the field. You have nothing left in the bank now. If, if this harvest fails, there's nothing left. It'll get really serious. But then God says something's changed. And now... Now I'm going to bless you. Uh, and you really did. The harvest did get better for them from this point on. And you, you think, why? why? Why did that happen? And if they're asking that question, Haggai wants to make sure that these people understand why things have changed for them, why things have got better. Make sure they understand why. That's verse 15 where he says, give careful thought to this. Verse 18, give careful thought. Think about this. Think about what you've been doing. Think about the temple. Haggai's probably up at the temple site again where the people are building. And there'll be priests there because they, they're going to be serving at the temple. And he asked them a couple of questions. The first one is, is, is there in verse 12. Uh, you heard it as we read. If someone carries consecrated meat and it touches something else, does the thing it touches become consecrated? And the answer is given, verse 12. No, no, it doesn't. It doesn't become consecrated. Question 2, verse 13. If a person who's defiled touches something else, does it become defiled? Uh, and the answer is there in verse 13. Yes, it does. It, it really does. And the issue is all around clean and unclean things around the temple. Ceremonially clean and unclean things that kind of pictured stuff that would be spiritually acceptable or unacceptable. You get the picture. I'm always being told off at home for, for leaving my clothes everywhere, but you can imagine I've got a, one of my socks, football socks, is, is really dirty. 
and I can't be bothered putting it away, and I just pick it up, and I shove it with a clean one, shove it back in the drawer. You know how it works. Put them in the drawer together. You know the way it goes. The, the clean one never makes the dirty one clean. Never works that way. The, the direction of dirt and aromatic travel is only and always in one direction. And at the temple, if you like, it's, it's as if God is giving kind of visual aids to his people to keep pressing home this kind of point. It's sin that spreads, ruins, corrupts, defiles. It, it never flows the other way. Things don't get cleaned up. And hang around the temple. Hang around the temple that you're building long enough. Look at what goes on here, and you'll begin to pick up these signs, these little patterns that you're being shown, these, these visual aids. And then Haggai makes his point, verse 14, if you've got that there in front of you. Haggai said, So it is with this people and this nation in my sight, declares the Lord. Whatever they do and whatever they offer there is, is defiles. The direction of travel with people left to themselves is only and always in one direction. They're unacceptable in God's sight. And so you get, verse 14, this, this slightly devastating line, whatever they do and whatever they offer, you always have a hope, don't you? Is there something I can do to make up for this? So you feel the impact of this line. If, you, if you're thinking for a moment, if you can imagine the times you, you've done stuff wrong, you think, is there something I can do to make up for, it, for that? Uh, understand this line. Whatever they do and whatever they offer is defiled. There's nothing they can do. Even if they wanted, there's nothing that would make up for their sin. They're on the wrong side with God. Feels like being judged on social media with no prospect of forgiveness. It's almost like the original version of what gets called today, cancel culture. You're just erased because of what you've done. You're gone. Until you read verse 19. From this day on, I will bless you. And you understand now as you read that, it feels out of step with this passage. It kind of, it kind of catches you off balance when you, you really hear that. Why, why would God say that now? Why would he say it to these people given what he said? And it's, it's here you discover, if you're someone who's maybe new to Christian things and you've, you've never come across this before, maybe, maybe it's a reminder for you, but maybe this is new for you. You never discovered this before, that the, the God of the Old Testament, the God of the Old Testament is far less judgmental than present-day social media. The God of the Old Testament is far more generous than, than many present-day justice movements because he says, well, it's because it's to, to people that he says are, are defiled in his sight, unacceptable, nothing they can do to make amends for themselves. It's to people that God says, it's to people like that that God says, I will bless you. Maybe those of you who are kind of in, in Pathfinders or, or grafted age group, maybe those of you in your, your 20s and 30s, I don't know how long you, you, you spend on, on social media. I was reading something the past week, that uh, a little article that said many people are, are checking in on social media before they've even been to the toilet in the morning. Sometimes they're doing both at the same time. you just got to get straight on to social media, check in with it. And I think 
I think Haggai would say, look, give yourself. Would you give yourself to, to checking in with God? Read his word. Old and, old and New Testament. You'll find over time, if you do that, that it's a, it's a kinder environment that you've put yourself in. And it will give you a, it will give you a deep assurance that even social media likes or follows can never give you. And you'll have a sense of feeling, even with all the stuff I, I know about myself that is, is not good and not right, I don't need people to tell me that. I know it myself, but it'll have you feeling I'm blessed. There's someone else who's speaking to me and saying to me, I'm blessed. Be a good place to be in. But look, come back to Haggai, because I, I guess one of the questions is, how have they landed the good life? How are they going to get into it? And I think it's Haggai's message. It's the message of the temple, if you consider it carefully. And here's the, here's the, one, the one big point from this morning, just to take away, and that's the good life only comes through God's gracious and specific rescue. It's what, it's what Haggai is pressing home. People are hopelessly sinful, left ourselves. We always reject God, There's, and we're stubborn with it as well. You have a look at verse 17 where God says, I struck all the work of your hands with blight, mildew, hail, yet you did not return to me. God's saying to them, look, I tried to discipline you. I made things a bit hard to give you a little lesson. I put you on the step. I sent you to your room for a bit, but you just doubled down. You doubled down on it. You didn't return to me. And Haggai's saying, there's nothing we can offer to a holy God to fix things. So if they're going to find the good life, it will have to be God who fixes things for them. And that's what the temple says. Look and learn what God is graciously doing to save people like you and me. Look and learn about the specific cost that's being paid, a substitute in your place, a sacrifice that's offered. Haggai is saying to them, have you understood the temple? Consider carefully what's going on here. To find the blessed life, to find the blessed life, God must provide. God must provide a gracious and specific rescue. And as we keep saying, we've said as we look through Haggai, Haggai, he keeps pointing forwards. The, the temple keeps pointing forward to the Lord Jesus. And it's there you see, look, God has provided a gracious and specific rescue in order to forgive, in order to rescue, in order to make clean what was unclean. And then you remember who Jesus is, who he claims to be, who he is as you read him in the gospel, that he is, he is God come to us. And it's there you understand it's not just that God's provided, no, that it's that God, God in himself is the gracious and specific rescue. When God says back in Haggai, I will bless you, that, that's not in some kind of abstract way. God will fulfill that blessing to you in himself through the cross. You can read later in Mark's Gospel, chapter 1, a man with leprosy he comes to Jesus. 
And it's interesting because leprosy is one of those things in, in their day that would have made you ceremonially unclean and anyone who, who touched you would be unclean as well. And the man comes to Jesus. He says an interesting thing. He doesn't say, will you heal me? He says, if you're willing, Lord, you can make me clean. It's picking up on all of this. And Mark says that Jesus reached out his hand and touched him and said, I am willing. Be clean. You understand the picture that we've been given there of what will be fulfilled at the cross. It's God who's come in Jesus. And in those places where you feel unclean, unacceptable, he says, I'll touch you. I'll take it. I'll take it on myself. I'll pay the price for you. Look, just a couple of things as we, we finish. What, what does it mean to turn to God? What does, it, what does it mean to believe in him, to follow him? It's not an abstract kind of generally believing in God. It's, it's in this gracious and specific rescue where, where you accept you're sinful. There's nothing you can do, nothing you can offer to God. And all you say is, will you rescue me? Will you forgive my sin? Uh, will you wash me clean? Only and always, only and always through Jesus, and help me to build life around him. And do that. And Haggai would say, look, you'll, you'll enter into the good life. E even if life now, this side of heaven, is, is hard, but you'll have God's blessing. And he will bring you home. Uh, and the one other thing, uh, if you've been a Christian for some time, one of the other things that's striking in this passage is, is how stubborn God's people can be. Circumstances often don't shift them. You see what it took? It took God sending someone with, with his word, with a message of good news, with a gospel message, if you like, with all of its comfort and all of its challenge, reminding them who they are. How are you doing with that? You're remembering your, your tendency to be spiritually stubborn. Are you putting yourself in the place where you, you hear good news, God's gospel message with all of its comfort and all of its challenge? Those of you who are married, wives, do you ever say to your husband, over the past six months, have you noticed, have I been growing in any ways as a Christian? Are there things where you think I'm being a bit stubborn spiritually? Areas I still need to grow in? Is there anything you'd want to say? I know you love me. Is there anything you'd want to say? Husbands, do you ever say that to your wives? Is there any place where you think I'm being spiritually stubborn, not growing the way I should? Uh, will, you, will you help me hear that? Those of you who are not married, if you've got friends that you can do that with, just ask them, what, what do you think? Not because they're out to get you, because God wants you to grow and build your life in this way, uh, around this temple that is the Lord Jesus. That we're going to have a moment for quiet. For those of us in, in the building this morning, we're, we're going to share the Lord's Supper together and proclaim as we do this gracious and specific rescue. For those at home, we're going to sing a song of praise and through it we will also proclaim again this gracious and specific rescue. So let's have a brief moment of quiet and then Steve will lead us.